Welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast Ground. I'm Paul Daniel Jr. Uh, you're listening to me. I pre-recorded this. So I'd like to say Jay Morrison on vacation. Technically right now as you're listening to this, I'm on vacation. I can tell you that I'm sure the weather is beautiful. And hopefully the water is lapping up against my toes right now. My kids are not hurting themselves. That's the idea. But I am here because uh, this is our vacation episode. And uh, late last week, I put this together. I have, So I have this inside of my um, phone, I have in my notes, I just have random notes for all things Bengals. And I'm always kind of trying to figure out... Um, Ideas for the future, jotting stuff down when it comes to me. If I'm sitting back in the days when we used to sit at a bar or if I'm watching a game or see something comes across on Twitter, just write it down, jot it down. Maybe that could be a story idea at some point. And then I revisit it whenever I'm looking to kind of figure out what I want to do next. I have stuff for just podcast randomness. And at some point about three or four months ago, I was in my mentions and saw in a verified mention from Dan Hurley, UConn basketball head coach, liking a tweet or something like that. And I thought, why the hell is Dan Hurley liking one of my tweets? And as I asked around and kind of figure stuff out, I was like, you know what? Turns out Dan Hurley is a massive Cincinnati Bengals fan. And you wouldn't think it from a guy who grew up in New England, done nothing but coach at high schools and colleges up in that area. And now currently the head coach at UConn has been at Rhode Island, won 8 coach of the year there. No, so why? I kept thinking, how did that happen? How did Dan Hurley become a huge Cincinnati Bengals fan? I wanted to hear the story, and I wanted to talk to him about the Bengals, and then I'd heard that he loves to talk about the Bengals. And I thought, what better time? As I th- On vacation, this is a great time to break this out. So I reached out to him. He is was so excited to do it, and I was so excited to do it then because he was. Someone actually potentially excited to talk to me. Rare. So I took it. Uh, so for this week... I'm not going to lie. I didn't know how long it was going to go. Like At a certain point, once you learned the story of how somebody came to like the Bengals and maybe there's not a few, maybe there's a couple details, maybe not. We talked for 40 minutes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Dan uh, has a, had a lot of fun stories and I really enjoy talking. And it's really interesting to talk to somebody who is a coach about being a coach and the mindset a coach must have and the type of questions you go through. In this time, in, in trying to prepare for a season that's unpreparable, that is unprecedented. And a lot of really interesting conversations about being a coach. And of course, you know, he, he's a guy with a Dan Wilkinson jersey. <laughs> so you've got that. That's the level of diehardedness uh, that you get here. So a, a fun conversation. I thought it'd be a good one for uh, while uh, Jay and I are on vacation this week. We'll be back in a week after that, back on our regular game as we prepare for potentially training camp, which right around the corner. Um, 
theoretically, we'll be seeing guys report July 28th. Down to two preseason games now. Um, but So we'll start giving you the run-up here in two weeks. Well, a week, you're listening to this in one week, next week. Uh, we'll start giving the official run-up to camp as we get ready for that. But for now, for this day, happy 4th of July weekend. Hope it was good for everybody. Hope everybody shot a fireworks safely. But regardless, uh, here is my conversation with huge Bengals fan and University of Connecticut basketball head coach, Dan Hurley. Now entering his third season at UConn, previous stops at Wagner, Rhode Island, and A-10 Coach of the Year, a couple NCAA tournament appearances, born and bred up in the Northeast, Dan Hurley, who is apparently somehow, despite all of those facts I just mentioned, <laughs> a huge Cincinnati Bengals fan, and it only makes everyone ask the same question, why? <laughs> First of all, it's, uh, I think everyone wants to know why you are a huge Cincinnati Bengals fan. I'm struck by this. This is like one of the, you know, um, like media opportunities that I've, one of the most I've highly anticipated for me to get a chance to actually talk to somebody else about the Bengals. You know, when you, when you, you know, when you grow up in Jersey and then you work in Connecticut, there's not tons of Bengal gatherings. Um, you know, so yeah. So for me, um, you know, like I, born in '73, so you know, eight or nine years old. And on a weekend, I, you know, I come across a football game on television, uh, you know, and I see these two really cool helmets. One's got like a, what looks like a bolt of lightning, and then the other one's got tiger stripes. And, uh, you know, so I stumble across the freezer ball game versus the Chargers, and I notice how the Chargers are all bundled up on the sideline, and like the like a lot of guys in the Bengals, like literally have like, like just bare skin and like <laughs> no jackets, no no sleeves, and they're beating the snot out of them. So that's when it started. Uh, obviously, then the the, the, the the crushing Super Bowl loss. But then also, Paul, you got to go now. Fast forward a couple of years. Um, leaving Madison Square Garden, I think post Harlem Globetrotters. There's an old uh, sporting goods store just right outside MSG uh, called Cosby's. So I go into Cosby's and I'm in the, the sporting goods section and I'm looking for Bengal stuff. And I, as you can imagine, Paul, there's not a wide selection. You know, there's <laughs> like one small row of hats. Yeah. And, you know, I'm probably 10, 12 years old now and I'm looking at the hat and I'm trying to influence my mother into buying it for me. And this big dude comes over and asks me, hey, are you a Bengals fan? And I said, yeah, I'm like stunned that someone's even asked me that. He goes, he picks it up, goes over to the cash register and hands me the hat and said, yeah, I'm an offensive lineman for the Bengals. Huh. So, Did you ever forget who that, Joe, who that mean, was? Mean Joe Green moment. Um, <laughs> no, I've speculated. I, I've speculated. You know, it definitely wasn't Munoz. Um, because yeah, he's a striking-looking gentleman. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it was Walter. 
Kuzersky. I don't know if who, which one of those guys it was, but it was a good dude right there. We we may have to blow up the lines of uh, some of the former Bengals from those offensive lines and see if we can put the two and two together here for you and solve this mystery of the the man who bought the hat. It was it's yeah. well, it's funny you mentioned the helmets, and this always strikes me is well. So many people that I hear that are where I wonder, how did you become a Bengals fan? Especially a lot of, they have a huge following in Europe. And it's like, how did all these people become Bengals fans that have nothing to do with here? So many talk about being young and loving the helmets. And then I hear some fans say they want to change the helmets and get rid of the helmets. I say, man, do you know how many fans I think this team has because of those helmets? Uh, I I think it's the last thing they should do. You'll lose, you know. You'll lose so many people like me if they are not. I don't know if they really care, but yeah, the, 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 that helmet—it's iconic. It's uh, you know, it's it's, it's an it's amazing design, and it, it, it again it drew me in. Yeah, that was the, that was the hook. So you stayed, you but you 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 got hooked in the '80s, and you stuck around though. I mean, and that's really uh, that's really impressive, all things considered. What's happened over the last thirty years? You know, I'm lefty. You know, Boomer. You know, Boomer gets. You know, Boomer gets drafted. He comes in. You know, Boomer's got that swag. You know, like that. That. Uh, you know, that personality. That 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 play action. You know, pass. You know, going deep. You know, uh, and then like Sam Weich. I mean, you know, when, when Sam Weich comes in, and you've got like, you know, big personality, innovative. Offensive mind, no huddle, you know, and Icky Woods and, and James Brooks. Like I remember, you know, those teams vividly, and, and Eddie Brown, and, and uh, um, you know, specific, you know, more so on the offensive side of the ball because you know they were ahead of their time with the, you know, with the no huddle. But like they, they were like, um, it didn't seem like small market, you know, like it didn't seem like that they seemed like, uh, you know, as big as the Cowboys to me. Did you, did you have a favorite player? I mean, was there a guy who was just your guy from back in those days? Boomer was my guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I just I love Boomer. Being a lefty myself, um, you know, I like I like Collinsworth too. You know, the Icky Shuffle was like you know I had my own rendition of it. You know. <laughs> um, you know, I just, uh, I was a huge fan. And then, you know, later in life, it, you know, it got a lot harder in the 90s to kind of stick with it, Paul. There's no doubt. <laughs> you know, pre Marvin, you yeah. know, pre Marvin Lewis coming in. I've yeah. got a lot of two and 14s and, yeah. and three and 13s. It got ugly there. Some, 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 some crazy drafts and different things. Kajana Carter, injury devastating, right? Right. Like, there, it's a long list. It's a long list of events uh, that that make a a run of twelve years that bad happen. Uh, I, I'm well, with boomers in the media up there. I mean, have you have you come across him? Have you talked to him? Have you guys had long discussions about your days watching his teams? I've been on the radio with him. Yeah, you know when my teams are winning well, when my team when my teams <laughs> are doing well, and, and we're winning. You know, uh, so not recently. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, like uh, been able, was able to get on and, and uh, you know express my my uh, 
my fandom and how awestruck I was, uh, you know, my first time on the show. Not Boomer, man. He was like, uh, you know, he was, he wasn't MVP, was he? Was he? he was MVP, yeah, in Super Bowl year. Mm-hmm. Second round pick to, yep. you know, Maryland, Long Island guy. Yeah, yeah, it's right up your wheelhouse. Are you so? Are you like a, uh, you know, Sunday ticket on the couch every Sunday when you can, or are you? It's a little bit more casual when it comes to being able to watch the games and and follow. I mean, obviously, you get the overlap with basketball season it gets a little hard. So you've got, you know, back when I was coaching high school, I you know I've been a head coach, you know, Paul for you know close to twenty years, but. Almost half of those years were as a high school coach in uh, at St. Benedict's Prep in Newark, Newark, New Jersey. You know where I got a chance to coach, you know guys like J.R. Smith in high school and, and Tristan Thompson. So it wasn't your typical high school program, but I had a lot more time back then to stick with the Bengals mm-hmm. from you know from from beginning to you know frustrating end. Um, but yes, but since I've gone into the college game, um, you know. At Rhode Island and UConn, their seasons kind of end for me in the middle of October. You know, right as our practices are starting, and then I have a much harder time kind of catching catching them. I may DVR it and try to avoid the score on social media and fast forward it. But I usually get a text message from somebody, you know, <laughs> one way or another. <laughs> you know, yeah. Spoiler. Yeah. I mean, uh, you have you ever gone to a Game here? Have you ever gotten up here? Or? I, I've taken the family. You know, we, we've probably been to Cincinnati, I'd say, four or five times. Um, I, you know, I'd say probably the first time we, we, we uh, you know, we went to Cincinnati. It was like Neil O'Donnell quarterbacking <laughs> the Bengals versus the Packers led by Brett Favre. Yeah. I, I'm, I would ask you who won that game, and I'm pretty sure we all know. <laughs> yeah, we battled. I mean, we were in, we were in there. Um, you know, I don't know if that was like Darnay Scott. I don't know. Yeah. Carl Pickens, I, I, I think. Uh, you know, that one. And then, um, you know, I've been there for a couple of Browns, uh, you know, games when, when uh, you know, John Kitna led. And obviously, our best chance. During, I was there, I think, twice during the Carson Palmer years. Yeah, uh, you know, to catch games, um, you know, which that was our window. Um, that that was probably top two most devastating Bengal fan moments. The yeah, oh five oh six playoffs. The uh, what a disaster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I I've talked to Carson about that since, and he said that you know the getting driven out of the stadium, you know, in the beginning of the third quarter just he said he was like in the back of whether he was in the ambulance or wherever he was you could see back at the stadium with the lights on and driving out of there he said it's probably the most surreal moment of his entire life of witness of just looking back and just thinking about that like you wait all you know your whole career for this moment to have this team and here you are looking at the stadium from the outside while they finish the game in there just yeah but Bengals fans it's it's the heartbreak. We just did um, the top 20 moments in the history of the stadium and like the top two are most memorable. And the top two are both just devastating heartbreak. Just between 15 and 05, it's, there's just no way around it. It's, 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 a, it's, a tough, it's a tough gig being a Bengals fan. So I'm surprised, you know, you, you've stuck all these years. I think you've proved your mettle. 
be you know being like a like I handle the suffering of being a head coach, you know, or going into the coaching profession. Yeah, it toughened you. Whenever you talk to your players about toughness and fighting through adversity, you can just explain that you've been a Bengals fan through the 90s and the 2000s and it should be enough. And and loyalty. And and that's why I never get, like, when people troll me and, and like, the amount of trolls, uh, you know, because of, Obviously, being a Hurley, you know, they're just the, the, the family. That's always being Bobby's brother, my dad's son. Like, I've always had a certain level of, you know, just scrutiny or or, or, or shadow that's been cast. But the amount of people that troll me is, is incredible. Uh, and, it, and and just and when, when we have unreasonable fans, whether I'm coaching at, you know, UConn or Rhode Island, wherever I've been, I don't take it personally. I get it because I'm myself an unreasonable fan with the Bengals, so I could, like, <laughs> Yeah, I could kind of take a step back. Yeah, and, and appreciate it. I, that's why I was, I was always kind of curious, you know, like how when you are in the coaching profession and you're so deep as a coach, how much you can be an unreasonable fan of any team, or do you always sort of view things through a coaching lens of how you could coach them up, or how you would, or or are you just able to be just the you know fire everyone guy just because that's you know <laughs> sort of, of the nature of the unreasonable fan yeah so you know i'll say this like when i'm watching like a, a bangle game like i'm not you know like i'm not like uh you know ignorant or delusional enough to think that like i know what what like what like schemes like, they should be playing or you know whether whether you know uh, but but i will say like i do pay attention to like like maybe clock management type of situations like at the end of a half or at the end of a game with how like a coach is managing like a clock um, you know, or potentially like like play calling because you do like um, you know, like you do kind of have a sense, uh, a sense especially the, uh, like on the offensive side of the ball where like you know you, you, you do from a coaching standpoint have some feel for like tactics mm-hmm. so yeah, but I don't. Yeah, I can't pretend to know. You know, again, like one gap, what gap? You know, who, yeah, right. You know, like who should be in what gap, or you know, not real sophisticated. Yeah, I'm. You know what? I, I was thinking about. It I'm surprised. You should. You when you came, you should. Mick should. Mick should have been getting you some tickets. You know, Mick Cronin. You guys are. You guys are our friends of being in the coaching biz together for a while. He really should have been getting you some more tickets. Grinding too hard, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick's, a, Nick's a cyborg, so he doesn't have a whole lot of time, uh, you know, to, to, to do like kind of like those type of social, like friendship things. Um, you know, Nick's just—he's a robot, man. He's, he's just—he's too locked in. Yeah. Uh, how 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 long how long till uh, UCLA and UConn are uh, are playing somewhere? I I, I think that there's. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to do something with those guys. I think there's, you know, there's been some talk about, um, you know, doing something with the Pac-12 potentially, you know, UConn, uh, you know, versus maybe in Arizona or, or UCLA, one of the power programs from the Pac-12, or a potential uh, um, UConn-Arizona State uh, Hurley Bowl. Yeah. Uh, 
octagon cage match. <laughs> How many times have you guys gone against each other, you and Bobby? In Jersey City, I mean, like, shit. <laughs> uh, you know, like, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, that was daily battles, I mean, neighborhood battles. Yeah. Um, but ne- have never, uh, we actually, we played against each other, uh, you know, in college, um, you know, Bob's, my freshman year, Bob's, Bob's junior year at Duke, a uh, year after they beat UNLV for the first national championship game before, um, you know, the, the, the Grand Hill to Christian Leitner, mm. um, you know, miracle play. Um, I think I went, Paul, like 0 for 8 in 21 uh, re- regrettable minutes. Yeah. And, you know, if I just would have played a little bit better, it might have changed, you know, the course of history in yeah. college basketball. <laughs> not that, not that you remember it bitterly or anything like that. No, and no. it was Philadelphia too, the, the city of brotherly love. Yeah. I remember Le- Leslie back then, like you never played on TV. You know what I mean? Like you, it was it was so um, rare that you played like a, a game on CBS. And I remember like Leslie Visser and Jim Nance and like fever sores on my lips because I was so freaking nervous and I went. <laughs> And I was only playing Paul like 10 minutes a game as a backup point guard. And, and then PJ Carlissimo played me, I think, like close to 20 minutes, maybe even north of it that game. Yeah. Because he, because he knew that it just completely diffused my brother. <laughs> it just it took all the aggression. It was probably like one of the worst games my brother ever played, but I was even worse than him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I know uh I mean you've you've got a long you've got a long history with Cincinnati here too. I mean obviously you the Yukon and uh Yukon has and Cincinnati fans have become great friends. You've become great friends with the Cincinnati uh student sections and, and fan base. They they, they enjoy you. <laughs> yeah, I get that a, I get that a lot. Yeah. Uh, Paul, opposing fans. I, I seem to be a lightning rod. Um, you know, I don't think that they always appreciate the energy that I bring to the sideline. Uh, but I don't care. I mean, I, I, lo- I love the games. I love to compete. I, I love the atmosphere. And, like, playing against like a program like Cincinnati. So, like, you know, in, in recent history, I would take the last eight to ten years with everything that Nick was able to do there. And everything, um, and you can say the same thing for Xavier with, with all the great lineage there. Like Cincinnati's, like incredible college. And I'm not just trying to win some people over here and have them back off from me on Twitter right now. But it's, I mean, it, you're talking about you know, some of the best, uh, most consistent uh, fixtures in March, and just consistently producing great seasons. Uh, you know, outstanding coaches, outstanding players, and just like consistent winners. It's hard to have more more respect uh, for programs than you know Cincinnati. Who obviously, you know their physicality and toughness, and um, you know and just how consistently they dominated uh, the American Conference. And then, you know, obviously before the Big East broke up, what they were doing there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind the fans. I mean, I, I don't. 
you know, they don't bother me. I, I, again, like, I don't even think about them, so. Yeah. Well, little do they know, though, you guys are both on the same team for uh, right, right down the down the down the road. You know, little do they know that maybe they're giving you a hard time uh, inside Fifth Third Arena, but uh, you know, you're you're right with them there on Sundays. Uh, you know, trying <laughs> trying to power through. That Paul, I think you actually may they, they may now turn on you. Yeah. For bringing, for bringing on the podcast. I don't think that this is going to mend fences. No. Obviously. <laughs> I look forward to making new friends with my with my Xavier uh, with the Xavier fan base. But yeah. we actually played we played that in Charleston this year in a, in, a, in a double overtime, like really really fun fun battle, uh, which we, we we lost. And and uh, but I, I uh, I'm going to enjoy uh, you know those battles because Xavier and, uh, was at Sintas Center. That mm-hmm. place is, uh, from by all accounts, that's a, that place is a, is a madhouse. Yeah. So, um, I guess the most important question is: Are you buying the new direction? Are you are you all in on the Joe Burrow hype? I mean, are you as excited as uh, the, we hear on sports radio from all the fans around here that that I hear every day? Just so you, uh, Paul, so like I've passed this down to my sons, Danny and Andrew, who will carry the mantle uh, as Bengal fans. Wow. I've doubled doubled, uh, the number two in this area, adding two more, and they will raise their sons to be Bengal fans as well. It's a family deal. Yeah, we're we're, we're all in. I mean, we watched this guy. I I saw him in the Texas game. like early in the season, and you obviously you see something special there in that game, and then you know you go, uh, you know, I, I, I locked in on that Alabama game because mm. you, you know we knew we'd be picking. <laughs> it wasn't hard to figure out we'd be picking first or potentially second, yeah. so it was a chance to see both guys, and then like uh, just how dominant and how uh, just how precise he was, um, and, and then just like as each game got bigger and as the opponents got better. He somehow was able to out outperform his last effort, and just the swagger, the confidence, uh, the humility, uh, the way that like his team at LSU responded to him, like you could just feel the respect uh, and uh, and like uh, you know the admiration that you know that his teammates and coaches had for him. So like you, you're bringing in this guy that 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 has some of that same stuff that Boomer had. Um, some of the same like athletic and, and actual physical attributes that Carson had, you know, and, and now he's got some like weapons with Joe Mixon and, and Tyler Boyd, and you know, hopefully AJ wants to stick around, and, and uh, you know, you've got T Higgins, and obviously the offensive line is, is uh, you know, has got to perform for him, and um, you know, I, I like what they did in the draft. I thought like like what they did with the linebackers was like. Um, you know, I thought that was like a really much needed, like, uh, you know, good thing. But yeah, no, that 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 guy right there, I think he he's got that he's got that that it factor thing. Yeah, I feel like that's something that maybe as a coach, no matter what sport you're in, you can just you really have a good you can sense that and see that. And now it it doesn't take a rocket scientist or uh, you know top coach to see that in, in what Burrow had going there and pretty much the entire state of Louisiana being on his back. But I mean, you know, I, did you feel like you, you can, you have a, can have a sense for guys that, um, 
they, they appear as leaders, even not knowing them? Or is that something that probably more has to come from seeing the, the behind the scenes stuff? I mean, he, 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 obviously he's got, you know, he's got, you know, I guess he's like, he's tall enough. I, I, I read about, you know, his hand size, which I don't, I'm not sure if I really understand that, <laughs> but you know, it's not like he, he's got like these unbelievable measurables, right? Like, like with speed or this incredible arm strength. So, you know, like a lot of his performance, you can tell is based on like intangible things like, 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 like preparation uh, level, like, um, like, uh, like football IQ or sports intelligence, um, you know, like determination and confidence. And like, I think he just, you get a sense from his personality, like whether you're a coach, head coach or a best player or a face in the organization, it's like, it seems like he understands what like leadership really is. And that is like, that when you enter the building, if you're the head coach at UConn or you're the quarterback of the Bengals, that like your number one responsibility is to infuse everyone around you with the same level of like energy and urgency that you bring to your job and um, just to maximize the talent of everyone around you. And like, he just seems like a guy that like understands um, like uh, the toll that it takes to be a leader that he's willing to pay it. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. And now it all comes down to him overcoming a lot of the obstacles set in front of him this year of, you know, no off season in person and who knows how many preseason games he'll even get to play and how many, you know, not less time getting to just hang out in the locker room and be that guy infusing, you know, the leadership and all that stuff. And I, it kind of strikes me. I'm curious your opinion on this. You know, you guys went through this in the spring of having the tournament taken away from you. Um, you know, everybody, everything getting shut down. What, what, what is it like being a coach right now? And how do you, how, how do you approach as a coach a season where, whether it's college basketball or whether it's the NFL, where you don't know how it's going to go. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're flying by the seat of your pants. Everything is unprecedented. You don't know how many games you're going to play, where you're going to play them. How, how do you approach that as a coach? You know, what, what has to be, you think your mindset in approaching a season that's, you know, already before it starts is going to be unlike any other. No, number one, you know, Paul, you have to really try, you know, not, not to let any type of like negative thoughts creep in there, which is hard, you know, when, you know, when you see, you know, some of these spikes um, across the country, um, you know, with the COVID or when the NCAA extends the, the no recruiting on or off campus through August, um, you know, for us. And then you say to yourself, if we can't go out and recruit nor bring anyone to campus all the way through August, how are we going to start a season in November? Like, you know, you, you, you have to really fight yourself, um, you know, just just to kind of keep yourself focused and, and not let you know, any of those thoughts creep into your head. Um, you know, like the great thing about being part of a team, like, uh, you know, as a player or as a coach or somebody that, that works in the organization, it's like, like as human beings, like this there's a craving um, you know, for all of us to be part of, of a unit, a tribe, a group of people, uh, 
that's like working in unison to try to achieve something. Uh, you know, like that 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 daily, hourly, everyday connection uh, b- between people striving for the same thing. Like it, it, it's something that that wakes us all up in the morning. You know, it's 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 what wakes me up. You know, the ability to 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 get in around the coaching staff. Um, you know, work towards our common common goal. Have something to strive for. You know, have an opportunity to impact the lives of our players every day um, in their career and their craft and as men. And then to 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 have that like like taken away from you. Like we're we're used to going like this time of year, Paul. Like four or five days uh, of, of practice and work with our guys on campus. Then hit the road Friday, Saturday, Sunday for three days of recruiting. And do that the entire month of July. Um, we've now we're now not doing that, and we're doing we're doing video breakdowns on Zoom. Um, we're uh, we're doing staff meetings with three guys in the office with masks on, you know. And uh, it, it's a you know it's an empty feeling, um, and it's something where just mentally. Uh, you know, mentally, you just gotta just try to keep connecting the best you can. Uh, you no, know, until things clear up, but it's hard. Yeah, really hard, really hard. It's it's gonna be fascinating to watch what happens with all sports as everybody tries to do this here in this country because, you know, it, I, I keep saying this. People ask me uh, about the NFL and the season, and I said, well, it, it, a lot of that's gonna be ter- determined by the other leagues. You know, if Major League Baseball has hitches and big problems trying to get restarted or the NBA has issues in the bubble in Orlando or MLS, God forbid anything serious happens to a player or coach or something, you know, that is going to have major ripple effects across every league that's trying to do this because, you know, it's, you can't, you know, that you, it creates an atmosphere where teams can't start. And I, and I can't imagine being a player or being a coach trying to prepare as you would and have some sense of being ready for a season when you don't know what the dynamics of that season are going to be. And those seem to change on a weekly basis. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating. And it's, it's, um, unlike anything we've ever gone through, just like everything this year has been, but, um, and I can't imagine what it's like to be a, a coach or a player in this environment right now. You know, you get a lot of questions from parents and, and your players and, and recruits, and, and it's not like there's a, a COVID committee for all college basketball programs um, to get like that where we go on a conference call once every two weeks and hear from you know the the NCAA. Like we're we're we're, we're kind of flying blind. Obviously, um, you know the, the 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 Big East is is updating us the best of, that we can, but it's really. A state by state thing. Like we have nine, we have nine of our thirteen players on campus um, that are participating. Uh, you know, in, in a program where um, where they're really in a pretty isolated situation, where they're being tested multiple times. Uh, you know, for the COVID, and right now they're allowed to um, you know work with the strength coach voluntarily in very very small groups. Um, and then they can use the practice facility, uh, but only one basketball um, and only one side of the court and cleaning. I mean, it's a very, very detailed um, 
a protocol. So, yeah. uh, you know, Connecticut's done a hell of a job. They give Governor Lamont a lot of credit. They did a great job in here shutting it down. And, and uh, you know, Connecticut's one of the, the safest places to be in, in the country right now. So. Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, the rest of the country can start to look like uh, Connecticut before too long and we can all get back to playing sports and uh, bemoaning trivial things like how Joe Burrow plays in his uh, first year or, uh, you know, things like that. So that's uh, – although although I think, you know, may, maybe not as trivial to some than others. Uh, so <laughs> – hey, hey, we got the jerseys too. We got the three. Uh, Already got them? Uh, Already got three yes. Burrow jerseys in the house? Yeah, we got those draft night. We, we there, there was some floating around. There was some bootleg ones prior to the yeah. draft, but we wanted to. I guess you never know what the Bengals pull until that draft pick. Uh, yeah. You just want to hear the name. You just want to hear the yeah. name. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. So, with the, the big important question: Which jerseys did you opt for? Did you go for the black, the orange, the color rush? What was the uh, what was the choices? Orange. We all we, we all went orange. Wow! And we're, all the, and we're all the same size now. My sons have actually kind of almost outgrown me now. Uh, well, one's twenty one and the other one's you know, eighteen. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So now we're all, we all went orange. We all just like that the orange look. But yeah, we got the nine in there. One the one the gone. I like that. Well, I also have to go along with my big daddy Wilkinson. I've got uh, I've got a ninety nine. I've got an Ocho Cinco. Uh, we've got a Hushmanzana. I think I got a Rudy Johnson. Uh, That's a good collection right there. Corey Dillon. I think I got Corey Dillon. Yeah, yeah. I'm impressed. That's a that's a nice that's a nice collection. Now, do your do your sons also have some other ones, or are they? Just no, they got the they got a lot of the like my youngest Andrew's got the Hushmanzana. Yeah. Um, the Hushmanzana and a Carson Palmer, uh, and then my oldest Danny. He went with he had Chad, and uh, I think he had Eifert too. We, we liked Eifert a lot. We, we, uh, yeah, that was a shame. That dude is such, such a good player. Brutal luck with injuries. That guy yeah, was so good. I was really happy for him to to get a good deal in Jacksonville. This year, he he was that was long overdue for a guy who put in all the work every offseason. You know how hard rehab is, and uh, nobody worked harder than him. But that seemed like a fun guy too. Good yeah, guy. no, absolutely, always always good nature despite being in just some of the worst situations. And uh, you know, you root for a guy like that. Um, yeah, so I, all the jerseys, I'm I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Here, my hope is this. My hope is this. At some point this year, somehow you end up with an open weekend. And they're allowing fans into the stadium at Paul Brown Stadium. All three, you, your sons, and all those orange borough jerseys come to Cincinnati. Uh, I would love to meet you and hope maybe be able to shake your hand uh, and say hello in person because uh, this has been a pleasure and it's always fun to. Uh, anybody that says they're actually excited to talk to me is a huge win, so I'll take it. <laughs> no, I love you, Paul. Hey, Paul, I listen to, you. I listen to podcasts. Uh, no, I do. I listen to all my podcasts on speed and a half um, because that's just the way my mind works. Yeah. Uh, but but I so it took me a little bit of time to readjust to your voice. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was it was a pleasure to be on here and just reach somebody at Xavier, reach out for uh, the Big East Conference and see if it's possible for uh, the Big East to schedule us this year at Xavier, same day as the AFC Championship, <laughs> so that we can play our game. And then we'll just delay the, the charter back to the stores so we can catch the, 
the AFC Championship game where we beat the uh, uh, we beat the, the Ravens. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I like it. That sounds good. I will. Uh, my next call will be directly to the the Big East offices, and we'll see if they pick up. <laughs> thanks thanks so much for your time dan i really appreciate it man and best of luck with uh with everything and congrats on everything you've got going at uconn 